Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hi, Freedom Church. Cat Crawl here. Um, I'm so excited to be with you guys today. Um, I feel the anxiety that I think Pastor Mike feels every single Sunday um, when he comes and brings us a message. And it definitely makes me grateful um, for the work that he puts in and how much he cares about our church. Just in these five minutes he's asked me to speak, um, gosh, I'm just a little bit um, nervous about it to, to be able to bring a truth to you guys. And so anyhow, I appreciate you guys for listening and I appreciate Pastor Mike, gosh, for all that he does. He's an amazing pastor and um, thank you for all that you do for this church and for this community. I want to talk to you guys today about the things that you think about, the thoughts that you have, the words that you speak, and um, how to be um, not a positive poly and make what we call in the counseling world sweet lemons, trying to make a good thing out of a bad situation, but talking about how to be honorable and respectful in the way that we talk and the way that we relate to each other and the things that we think. Um, I'm bringing this to you guys today, not because it's something I'm an expert on, but because it's something I continue to struggle with, the words that come out of my mouth and the things that I speak. So the scripture I want to talk to you about is Philippians 4.8, and it's my favorite scripture, not because it's encouraging or because it's like lighthearted or fun, but it's because it's a challenge for me, and I, I hope that today you will leave feeling challenged, um, but also encouraged and supported. So this scripture says, um, now, brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is lovely, and on what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, you hear that verse and you hear all these great things like true, honor, pure, right, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Those are all really great things, um, but I, I want us to be able to take an honest look and an assessment of how we're doing. So to illustrate, I love to share a story. Um, I uh, had this really cool person in my life, someone who I really respected and admired and was a really great representation of Christ. And here I am thinking I'm pretty equal to them and thinking that I'm doing a pretty good job. Um, and one day this person, whom I respect so much, comes to me and says, Kat, you are one of the most negative people I think I've ever met in my life. And I'm so embarrassed to tell you this right now because I thought this was something I had under control, totally outside of my line of sight. But when I prayed on this and thought about it, um, and even the moment that I heard it, I knew that it was true because the things that I was saying were critical, not only of myself, but of other people. And the things that I was doing um, were not very forgiving and the way that I was speaking was not very God honoring. And this little bit of feedback um, in the scripture has now become my favorite because gosh, it is so easy. And I don't think I'm the only one. It is so easy to lose sight of what is true and what is pure and honorable and praiseworthy. And not only what is, but like to fix our thoughts on those things. 
So I'm a mental health counselor and I'm reading in one of my textbooks and find not only biblical evidence, but scientific counselor evidence. Um, and in this text, I find um, it says in general, adults who are committed to their religious faith and their spiritual convictions tend to be happier, tend to be healthier, have more coping resources and experience more perceived control than those who religion and spirituality are less important to. So in this, I'm committing myself and have commit myself for years in prayer and, and continue to struggle, but continue to fight. And I want to challenge you today with this verse um, in this scripture. Are you saying the things that are true and are pure and are right and are praiseworthy? And not only are you saying those things, but are you fixing your thoughts? Are you allowing those things that God says that are true about you, the things that are honorable about you, about the people you care about, and maybe the people you don't care about? Are you allowing those things to take front and center? Or are you allowing negativity, criticism, just like me? Well, I hope that you'll take this to heart and allow this to challenge you in the ways that you think, in the ways that you act, in the things that you say. Thank you. Hey, Freedom Church. I wanted to talk to you guys about the first interactions that Jesus had with Matthew. And we find this in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Uh, there's two instances in this that Jesus interacts with Matthew pretty early on. Uh, the first one, Jesus was walking through a large crowd and saw Matthew at his tax gathering booth and turned to him and said, come follow me. And the second one was later on when Jesus went to Matthew's house and had dinner with him, with Matthew, some other tax gatherers, and some sinners. Now, this is interesting because Matthew and the tax gatherers were not like people. They were seen as traitors and dishonest. Uh, a lot of the reason why was because they were uh, people of the culture, so the Hebrews, uh, working for the Roman government uh, to bring them taxes. And so they were cheating their neighbors out of uh, money so that they could live. And so they just weren't really liked. So if you're thinking about the questions that Christians should ask or the ideas that they should be looking for. This is an interesting place to go because Jesus wasn't just asking the cultural normative questions of Matthew. It reminds me of the movie I, Robot, when the doctor left his hologram and uh, Will Smith had to ask the right questions to get the answers. And when he asked the appropriate question, the doctor responded, that detective is the correct question. And so, when Jesus saw Matthew, he didn't see just this uh, outcast who no one would like or understand or get along with. He saw someone that had a good heart. He saw how taking the weak people and making them strong is important. Now, the cultural normative question comes with the second part. When uh, Jesus was having dinner and the Pharisees came up to the disciples and said, why is your master eating with tax gatherers and sinners. And Jesus overheard this and said to him, don't you know that a doctor is for the sick, not for the healthy? And so Jesus was doing a great job of saying, no, you guys have got the wrong question. And so my challenge for us and the next steps for us is that um, Christians need to be asking 
questions that aren't just the normal Christian question. When we do that, we end up relying upon easy answers and simple answers and looking for other people to give us simple solutions. Whereas Jesus wants us to ask longer and harder questions of, you know, what does the Bible really want me to do? We A lot of times Christians can look at the Bible as like a book of spells, saying, hey, I want to get something out of God, so what prayer should I pray? Whereas the Bible is really about reading it so that it changes you, so that you can spread the gospel further on and better. So one of the examples I have of asking the wrong question was, there was probably about a two year period where I kept asking God if I could quit my job for him to release my calling in that position. And for two, three times a week, for about a year, I kept asking, let me quit, let me quit, let me quit. And he didn't let me. And so the next year, my New Year's resolution was to not ask God if I could quit, but ask God, what does he want me to do there? What purpose did I have? And I will tell you that the mindset was completely different because I was able to do work in that job that I wouldn't have been able to earlier. The other thing with asking a proper question is that it takes down the wall of politics or race or class or even religions because you're not addressing those people as that thing but you're seeing them as an actual human being who Christ wants you to love. So next steps, Freedom Church, ask the proper questions, ask the hard questions and grow in Christ more and more. Thank you guys and I love you. I want to speak to you specifically on a message entitled The Action of Loving Unconditionally. You see, Paul's life and the action expressed by Jesus has really impacted my life in a personal way, and it shows me two specific things. One, it shows me never to give up on anyone. Two, it shows me never to look down on anyone, but instead, love them unconditionally. I pulled some scripture out of the Bible from Acts 9 verses 1 through 6, and this is specifically dealing with Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. While Paul was on that mission, he was given a new mission from Jesus. And from that point on, his life was never the same. Jesus still pursued him, despite of all Paul ever, Paul ever did. He was about to become one of the church's greatest influences, but he didn't know that. 
I believe Jesus loved Paul even before his conversion and had a greater mission for him. Paul considered everything else he ever learned is worthless when compared to the infinite value and revelation of knowing Jesus. Let us read some scripture from Romans 8, 38-39. Now this is a fast forward when Paul was already anchored and solid in his faith, serving others and preaching the gospel of Jesus. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to ever separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus expressed that action of unconditional love towards Paul, despite what Paul did in the past. See, we need to be convinced the same as Paul and know that God's love, nothing can separate us from it. Jesus expressed this love towards others when he lived here on earth. He expressed it when he died and rose for us, and he is still expressing it. Unconditional love is the foundation of the Christian lifestyle. And that's the lifestyle we should all want to model. Jesus loves you the same way. Jesus said in John 13, 34, now this is before Paul came onto the scene, okay? This is before he converted over to Christianity. Jesus was teaching his disciples this very thing. So I want to match it up here. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So how does Jesus love us? He loves us unconditionally. He doesn't love us on conditions. I mean, if he loved us on conditions, we'd be in a heap of trouble. But see, he loves us unconditionally. No matter what we did in our past, no matter what we're doing now, no matter what we're doing in our future, nothing can separate us from God's love because he loves us unconditionally. And it doesn't stop there. He wants us to love each other unconditionally. So let us move forward with the notion that Jesus wants us to reach higher plateaus each and every day and love others unconditionally while doing so. So I have some homework for you. I want you to write this down, type it in, however you prefer. I want you to read John 3.16, Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 13, 2 Corinthians 5.15-21, Philippians 3.5-9, and Hebrews 13.8. I hope this makes you look at your life and the life of others with a whole new perspective. And by reading these scriptures and hearing these messages today, let us take action and love unconditionally and keep moving forward in the path Jesus has set before us as Christians. God bless you all. Um, I'm going to share something from the book of John, specifically chapter 12, verse 3. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, 
and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with fragrance. In this story, Mary silently made her way to Jesus, ignoring all of the restrictions of society and her commitment to to him. Her act demonstrated great sacrifice, service, and surrender. Have you ever been in a situation that you thought was hopeless, um, desperate, and an unending, and it involves someone that you loved very much? Well, I have, and I want to share with you um, how I went through that situation and, and what God did in it. Um, like I said, our family went through a really tough time. One of our children uh, battled addiction for about six years. And during this time period, um, I became addicted to learning about addiction, reading about addiction, studying other people's stories, attending various prayer groups, women's conferences. I somehow thought, you know, my faithfulness and my f performance could somehow bring my son back to being the person that I remembered him to be. Um, I pray continuously, uh, but it was usually from a place of extreme fear and not faith. I watched other friends of mine have success, success with their children, and it made me angry and it made me sad. And I was actually really angry with God, and I wondered, you know, what, what have I done wrong? Why is, why is this happening? I found that I couldn't really rest or, or relax. I started really not taking care of myself physically. Um, it really started to show uh, just in my appearance. I didn't really engage with other people in my family the way that I should have. I was um, just not emotionally available. I falsely believed that I was somehow responsible for his addiction. Um, and finally, um, through a series of events, uh, I finally came to the end of myself. I came to the end of my resources. I broke and I could no longer go on in my own strength. And it was me finally recognizing that there was not one thing that I was going to do that was going to save him. And really, I can only call this time really agony of soul. It was an agonizing time. And, and literally, I felt like I just didn't even want to continue on this earth. I, I was distraught. My brokenness finally eventually led me up to the front of my church um, one morning. And I just laid out on the altar um, where I finally laid my child at the feet of Jesus. I had attempted to do it several times before, but I was always really quick to go back and pick it back up again and try to do it in my own strength. And this particular time, I finally really surrendered. One of um, my child's friends um, was, was up front and prayed with me, and I really felt that I had to really completely surrender. It was something that I had to do. Nobody could do it for me. I had to do it. And God's love language is surrender. I believe that my final surrender in this situation helped to change everything. Our complete surrender in a situation is priceless. 
The value cannot be measured, but Jesus knows the depth of our pain and he responds. And this was a defining moment in my faith and it was one that the enemy hoped that I would never have. If you think about it, you have to you have to make that step. You have to make that active um, uh, act of laying something down sometimes. And I really believe that that um, physical and and prayerful act really helped turn this. And it's recognizing the power that is at the foot of the cross and laying things down and, and at the feet of Jesus. Satan wants for us to increase our negative thoughts during difficult times. He wants to keep us um, fearful and powerless and, and numb and, and angry. And sometimes if we can just stop and recognize that there's so much power in prayer and prayer and, and just finally letting go and letting God have all of it. And when we go through trials, I believe God is helping to prepare us for other situations in our own life and, and to help other people who are gonna go through things that are similar to what we've been through. Um, p other people can see the faith that we showed through very difficult times. God wants us to stop looking back and limiting ourselves by what we have done or by what others have done to us. We need to make what Jesus did for us bigger than anything that anyone else has ever said or done. Our destinies are greater than our history. The pain of regret is by far greater than the pain of restoration. God wants to use everything in our situations and in our stories, everything, all of our pain for His glory. So take your pain, take your hurt, your hopeless situations, and lay them at the feet of Jesus. Lay them there. Really, truly, fully surrender at the feet of Jesus, the one who hears your heart and the one who can respond. Thank you. Kat, Stephen, Joshua, and Heather, thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable and showing how God has moved in your lives. Freedom. As today was Freedom Speaks. What do you hear from God today? Like God speaking through freedom, but wanting freedom to come down and speak from heaven into your heart, into your heart and into your soul today. What do you hear today? What 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 was something maybe they shared or something somebody put in the comment, or maybe just something completely, totally unrelated that God spoke to you? Was it that you need to, to say some better words about yourself or to others? Speak life, thinking on the positive things, the the admirable things in your life, as Kat said. Maybe it was asking better questions. Do you need to ask some better questions? Maybe you need to think about that one and chew on it. What are the questions I'm asking? And maybe what is a better question as Stephen led us to? And Stephen, that was an incredible um, story that you shared because I, I resonate with that as a, as a pastor, um, uh, as an employee at a, at a church.
struggling with some of those things. Joshua was saying, hey, maybe it's a better way to love, to love unconditionally. Or Heather, who just said, like Mary, just happened to completely surrender. And I love how I think, Jan, you said it too. Um, God's love language is surrender. Like, absolutely. If, you're wanting to, if you want God to move in your life, you want to see him do some amazing things and speak into your life, it's going to be really hard when you got a tight grip on something. But as soon as you open up and say, God, it's yours, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're holding on to, and you say, God, I have my pain, you can have it. You can use it however you want. I surrender it to you, trusting, like in Romans 8, that you can use it all for good. You can take what is evil and turn it into good. I'll be willing to get on a camera and share my story to go and tell God if you tell me to. I'll surrender whatever it is. That's how you start seeing some real freedom and some chains being broken in your life is through surrender. Faith. You, you want to know what gets God's attention? Surrender, here it is. But faith, I'll go in advance and move forward. And that's our mission at Freedom Church, to help you take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. That right there, God's going to work some things in your life. You may not see all the circumstances change, but he's going to work in your heart when you start advancing in faith. As, as Christians, that, like that's the title we give ourselves, but really we're followers. Followers of Jesus. When Jesus asked people to, to, to join him, when he got those disciples, he said, come and know about me. No, he, he, he didn't say that. He didn't say, come and learn more about me. No, he didn't say it. He said, come and follow me. See what I, see what I learn, learn from me, but then go, go and do and go live it out. I remember like you look at the, 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 the shepherds, you know, when Jesus was born and those shepherds left their, their sheep. This is usually the Christmas story. It's Christmas in July, right? Um, this, they went and they saw Jesus. But when they left, it says that they went and they just told everybody about everything they had, what they had seen and what they had heard. And that's our lives too. When Jesus met the woman at the well in John chapter 4, she goes to town and starts telling everyone about everything she had just seen and heard. When you, when in, in Mark 5, when Jesus goes across the, the lake, and, and in Mark chapter 4, the storm comes against them, but then they make it across the, the, the lake, past the storm, and you're going to make it past the storms that you're facing if you continue on with faith. But there was a guy on the other side that Jesus healed. And that guy wanted to go do something else. And Jesus said, no, you're going to stay right here because you got work to do in your hometown. And it says that he, in Mark chapter 5, he stayed there and he told people in that region about everything he had seen and heard. You want to take some next steps of faith, recognize where is God moving in my life? And that isn't always the rosy things that you heard about. Like some of these things are very, can be very embarrassing. I don't want to share these things. I don't like this part of my life, but God can redeem it. And that, I think, is what we want to see. If you want to break free, surrender it to God. In His hands, He can redeem it. And there's other people, there's other people when you surrender that are going to be healed through God working through you. To me, that's amazing. That's the freedom. Right now, I believe we are, we, there is so much chaos that is going on in your life right now. 
There's so much uncertainty and anxiety and worry that if we're not careful, if we get our focus off wrong, it has us paralyzed. And that's where some of you are. That's where you might be today. But I believe if you take a next step forward in faith, we are on the verge of spiritual awakening. If we would just have the right perspective, oh, I'm, I'm worried, I'm, I got a lot of anxiety, I don't know what's going on. And if we just focus on the circumstances, it's pretty depressing. But if we had God's viewpoint, you might see something else totally that you would be totally excited about. Spiritual awakening in me, in my heart. Spiritual awakening in your home, which is, by the way, where all of this is happening happening right now. These conversations are happening in your home. Spiritual awakening in Los Alamos through your actions. What if we were just on the verge, your next step of faith, seeing spiritual awakening in our state, in our country? The things that you've been praying about, it's not coming around the way through the events and circumstances that you've been wanting. But what if you don't give up today because there's something greater on the other side? Freedom Church, let's be the church that speaks freedom, that speaks hope, and knowing that there's something better that God has for people, for you, on the other side. Let's take that next step of faith. God has a will and a plan for your life, and it has not stopped just because we've been in quarantine. God wasn't like, oh, well, we'll wait until the stay-at-home orders are done, and then I'll start working my will again. No. He's working very actively in your life, and he wants to take those next steps with you. So will you do that today? Will you take those next steps? A couple things you can do. One, maybe your next step is come back next week. We're going to answer questions. How do I ask questions as a Christian? How do I doubt as a Christian? Um, is that okay to have doubts? We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is getting in a connect group. Maybe your next step is is signing up to be in the Freedom Online group where we encourage each other and share uh, online throughout the week. Maybe your next step is getting your phone out and pressing the record and spreading some hope and encouragement. Maybe it's to the church. Maybe it's just on your own personal profile where you just want to spread hope to your friends and family members. Maybe it's calling somebody on the phone. Maybe that is your next step. Like if God's speaking to you and saying, this is what I want you to do, go take that next step spiritual awakening may be on the other side. Something great I know is on the other side. And that's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. That's what you want for you. So today, would you take that next step? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.